Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? It's going fantastic, Ellen. Everything is great. Great. Except Today I'm not at I'm not at your house this week, so you're not at my house this week. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about The Virtuoso by Grace Burroughs. But first, Mom, if you could magically be able to be perfect at one instrument, what would it be? Perfect at one instrument. Probably the piano. I've always wanted... I mean, I took piano lessons for many years when I was a kid. Like 10 years. And her mother was a very good My pianist. mother was a phenomenal pianist yes. um and then I went away to college and then I got married and I just didn't have a piano around me for years and years and years and years and now I have a beautiful piano in my home that no and one it plays collects dust. <laughs> it collects dust and then it holds pictures it's like a perfect picture frame holder <laughs> <laughs> That's, but yeah, I that's always true. say, someday I'm going to sit down and play that well, that's piano. What, when I come home, my dad's like, Ellen plays this piano more than, uh, than anybody does. <laughs> and looks, I don't live there. It looks pretty in my house. It does. Um, if I could cheat, I would maybe say, like, my voice. I would, like, like being an amazing singer. Um, but I think I would also probably go with piano. Very useful instrument. I mean, it's it's yeah. being able to play the piano is a very useful talent. You can, you know, accompany people. You can accompany people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can just play for kicks. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah. So today we are going to be talking about the virtuoso by Grace Burroughs. But first, we need to take a quick break for some business. So come right back. Thanks, Mom and Ellen. This is Solitary Ellen coming to you mom-free because I'm here to talk about a book that is most assuredly not mom-friendly, and mom can't know that I'm going to read it, so let's just keep this between you and me, huh? Today's podcast is sponsored by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 5, edited by Rachel Kramer Bustle, published by Cleus Press. This anthology's theme is outrageous and features 21 brand new sexy erotica and erotic romance stories from authors who will certainly bring the outrageous factor, including Sierra Simone, C.D. Reese, Sabrina Sol, Caridad Pinheiro, Bali Caro Jaswal, Justine Elliott, Alexa J. Day, Jane Renault, and more. You'll be swept away by the sexiest business deal ever, break the rules in a future world where skin-on-skin -skin contact is forbidden, and discover the art of getting off by phone sex. From mermaid sex to historical passion to the first Latina U.S. president finding intimacy again after becoming a widow, this book has something for every reader, from happy endings to pure lust. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 5, is available in print, ebook, and audiobook, and is on sale now wherever books are sold. Find out more at bweoftheyear.com. And uh, we thank them for their support, and we hope that you guys will check it out. And we're back. See, just like I said, quick. Um, Mom, we are talking about The Virtuoso by Grace Burroughs today. It is the third book in her Wyndham series. It follows The Heir and The Soldier. Um, and I know I say this every week, but this week actually was crazy. 
<laughs> and it's by some miracle that I even finished reading the book. So all the other other all the other weeks, you were just pulling our legs. You were just <laughs> lying. You to can us. vouch for me. This week was crazy. This week was crazy for you. It was easy for me, but yeah, yeah, this exactly. isn't my thing. So, <laughs> so the back cover description for this book reads: Gift is. Gifted pianist Valentine Wyndham, youngest son of the Duke of Moreland, has little interest in his father's obsession to see his sons married and instead pours passion into his music. But when Val loses his music, he flees to the country, alone and tormented by what has been robbed from him. Grieving Ellen Markham has hidden herself away, looking for safety and solitude. Her curious new neighbor offers a kindred, lonely soul whose desperation is matched only by his desire, but Ellen's devastating secret could be the one thing that destroys them both. Together, they'll find there's no rescue from the past, but sometimes losing everything can help you find what you need the most. So, Mom, what did you think of The Virtuoso? Well, one problem I had is that this was the third book in a series, and I yeah, hadn't read... talk about that a little bit later. I hadn't read the other two, and I didn't realize it was because I probably would have had time to read the other two when I was at your place last week it's true you but have. I didn't know she did because we did nothing but watch murder shows we watched murder shows and I read um but I didn't know it was the third book in a season in a series until I got like went to start reading it I was like what so way to drop the ball on that one Ellen you're supposed to keep me abreast of these things I feel like you were aware and then that's not on me. So. And people need to tell me more than once or I will not remember. Obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I liked this book. Not really a love, but I, I, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm the same. I liked it. It was, um, it was a slower pace to it. It does and have a slower pace. The language seems more authentic to the time period, which I respect, um, but sometimes I think maybe slowed the pace down slightly for me. Um, but definitely, I think the language is more authentic than sometimes we get in other historicals, and I, I do respect that about it. Um, my problem was that with my busy week, I like the only time I was reading this was like right before bed, and it, it has this... This book has a very soothing pace to it, and <laughs> it then it hence made me keep falling asleep to it. Um, her writing is very good. She has some, I thought, lovely passages in there, and it is it is just a lovely book. Um, there are some plot things that bothered me, um, which we're gonna get into in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think so. I I I enjoyed it. Um, I could have used. Well, the thing is, is the thing I like about it is that it's kind of like a nice, tranquil little book. But then also, I think it made it harder for me to get through it because just of the week I was having, but also just because it was moving at. It what? took me some what time year was to get into it. What year was this book written? I don't think it's that old. Here, I have up the 2011. Okay, not that old. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, Mom, what did you think of Ellen? 
as our heroine. She's okay. <laughs> oh, wait. You mean Ellen in the book? Yeah, I liked Ellen in the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I my one quibble with Ellen, and that's why I asked what year the book was written, is because I was wondering if it was an older one. Ellen was a little damsel in distressy for me. I wanted her to kind of take things on a little more. And, I mean, I liked her. She was super sweet. She was... But I wanted her to be a little more, this dude is pissing me off and I, I'm going to go kick him in the balls. That's what I, you know, metaphorically. More grab the bull by the horns Yeah, thing. and she was a little damsel and distressy for me. And that's why I thought, well, maybe it's an older book and maybe it's. And there's someone in the, in the comments who, uh, in the listener feedback, who uh, refers to her as kind of a martyr. And I would definitely agree with with that and we are going to get a little bit into some of the secrets that take place in this book um but yeah i i did like her she she was very sweet um awesome freaking name obviously um i know i have to agree that it's an awesome name because i chose it yeah it's true (laughs) um she was between the two of them the one that frustrated me the most um, well, even after everything came out and he was like, none of this is your fault. She was still blaming herself for all this stuff. And it's like, girlfriend, you mm-hmm. need to realize none of this is your fault. Terrible, terrible yeah. things have happened to you. And, you know, you need to move forward and um, stop blaming yourself. I did like the image of her in her gardens with her big floppy hat and her bare feet. And um, I... So I did think she she was sweet. That's what I'll say about her. And um, I did think that she's a good match for him. And they obviously need each other in a very strong way. I think they're both very good for each other. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I have to say about Ellen, I would say. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I would agree. I thought she was really sweet. I thought, I mean, you know, these sweet little, you know, she's never, ever even had an orgasm before. But then once she has one, apparently orgasms are what just change women over entirely. Apparently. (laughs) Because she was so so ready to, you know, get up on that horse, so to speak. Yes. But. um, And who can blame her? I mean, really. I mean, he sounded pretty dreamy. Except he had that. (laughs) Gross hand thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into him. What did you think of Valentine? As I liked our Valentine. Hero? I liked seeing. I didn't that. even realize what a good February book this was. But continue. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't realize this. I didn't put that together. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I liked him coming. I liked him first of all. I liked him winning the property away from that douchebag, and then yeah. I liked him coming in saying, "This place is a dump, but I'm gonna fix it up," and you know, just taking. Like, he was a take charge kind of guy, where it bothered me that she was kind of sheepish about things. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked Valentine. I liked all his friends. I liked, you know, all yeah. these people that he was bringing around. Yeah. Um, he was very take charge, but he was also, like, such a little tender heart, you know, little artist. Definitely. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I also really liked him. What are we supposed to believe he has going on with his hand? I don't know. And I think it 
they alluded to the fact it was psychological, like his needing to uh, mourn the loss of his mm-hmm. brothers, and he hadn't really come to grips with that yet. And so, grips, see what I did there? And so, <laughs> and so he had this hand ailment, and then I think as his love for her grew, he kind of lost his hand ailment. But even then he said he couldn't, like, overuse it which is, I think, why he started composing the music instead of necessarily playing it. Yeah, I didn't get, like, I was thinking kind of maybe more like carpal tunnel or something was going on. Well, it was swollen and discolored. It sounded nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Mom was not on board with that I was hand. not on board with that hand. Like, don't, don't touch my private parts with that hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you got going on there, but I don't think I want that down there. Especially back then. Like, I know. You, you know. never know what is coming up. <laughs> what is going on. <laughs> and she was rubbing it with some kind of liniment that, you know, you don't know what they were using back then. And then he's just she's a, she's inserting a fingers in places that you're like, wow, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> well, maybe all that spearmint and stuff was feeling cool down there. So she was on board. <laughs> spearmint is what made her babies die. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't spearmint. spearmint. It was the Penny Royal, Mom. <laughs> but it... Tasted Spoiler like alert, by the way. <laughs> but it tasted like spearmint. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, you know, all that minty liniment yeah. down give in it, the nether. Giving it, give it a little tingle there. <laughs> <laughs> a little zing in Pre- your things. Precursor to, you know, whatever <laughs> lotions you got going on now. But. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took a turn. Um, <laughs> so. Well, something about him, I didn't really understand his reticence to consider her as, like, wife material in the beginning. Like, was it him, like, not wanting to saddle a woman with his disability, quote-unquote? I, it- I think that was part of it. I also think he didn't like being a Duke's son, which I guess is brought up more in the other books, because I don't think we got... I mean, if all we got was this book about his issues with his dad, I don't see it, because... Yeah, I was thinking the same. His dad seemed like a nice enough guy. I mean, we've read books about some horrible dukes. So. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've read worse fathers and dukes yeah. than, uh, than those. Um, so uh, I don't think he wanted to have to tell her about his family ties and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think part of it was that he realized she didn't want to get married, that she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So... It was a combination of all those Cause things. Because he, he seems to have quibbles that, like, kind of dissipate, obviously, um, quicker than hers do. But I just, I was never, like, quite clear on what his hang-up with marriage was. And, Men like, never want to get do. married. It always has to be the women who have to push them into it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, I did like his journey into realizing... Like, his whole, I only have my piano and my music to live for, and then kind of, um, you know, getting into getting to a place. And I think not only with her, but just realizing, like, I do have more going on. I've got people who love and rely on me. I've got, you know, I can do other things with my music. I can, you know. Well, even as, I think, as he became to realize that he... You know, he had these tenants now, and he could help them with their farms, and he could, you know, there were things that he could do outside of just his music, and I think he realized, oh, yeah, I can do other things. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I I appreciated that whole aspect of his of his story. Um, okay, so as we've referred to, this was number three in the series. Uh, and as we've mentioned, both of us did not read one and two. So how necessary do you think the first would have been to read here? This is one where I absolutely wished I had. This is the first time I've same. read a book in the middle of a series that I thought, man, I really wish I had read the other two. Because yeah, same. they referred a lot back to the other brothers, obviously, who the stories are about. And I was getting confused with all the names. and Because those stinging Brits, they've got 14 different names for a person. You know, they've got their, all their different, like where they live as a name and, you know, their name and their real, their real surname. And then, I don't know, they've got all kinds of names. And so they're referring to all these people by all these different names. I'm like, I don't even know who they're talking about right now. Yeah. So... Well, and referring to relationships that have obvious baggage or, you know, have obvious history to them. And we're kind of like, this one, it was like watching a variety show full of people who I have no idea who they are. (laughs) And they like introduce someone like, and now Sonny and Cher. And it's like, as if I have no idea who Sonny and Cher are, the crowd is going wild. And I'm like, okay. Which cool. it would be hard. Sunny's no longer with us, but <laughs> I'm I'm referring to like an old. It's like it's watch. It's like an old person watching the Grammys now and being like, I have no idea who any of these people are, but the kids obviously love them, right? <laughs> the kids, and so the kids love them. <laughs> who are the kids listening to these days? Who's <laughs> this Billy Eyelash? I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it was like a book full of cameos who I had no idea who any of the people are. And so now I understand how, like, my non-pop culture-minded friends feel when we're watching something and I'm having to explain to them who everybody is. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I would equate it to. And, yeah, it's this is definitely... Because we've read middle-of-the-series books before and we've talked about... We've had this question before and, like, how pertinent do you think it was to have read the first couple books? And... This is definitely the first one where I'm like, yeah, we probably really should have read the first read two the other books. Two. Yeah. They refer to them quite a bit. And they also refer to all these other people who I'm assuming showed up in, like, not even the people who the books were about, but all these, like the Belmonts and all these people who, they're referring to like they know them, like we should know them. And yeah, I, I, I was like... Well, the, the weird thing is that there's two books beforehand, and we we did meet who the two books are about, but then there's also, yeah, like Axel Belmont, who I don't think he has a first book, but But he must show like up in did. the other books, because they kind of talk like him, about him like we should know who they are. Yeah, or maybe he's in another series, or... Well, I was, even, I was even thinking that maybe the Duke and his wife were from another series, and then this is kind of... So there's a prequel to this book that is about, the, to this series, that's about the Duke and his wife. Okay, because and they're then it goes, so in love and she's beautiful. So I thought, well, you know, these people obviously have a book somewhere. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Anytime someone's like super in love with their wife, it's like, okay, well, and obviously. And she's beautiful. They have a book somewhere, obviously. obviously. Um, but yes, so... That also, I think, was A, slowing the process a bit for me, and B, making me not as able to 
engage fully. And the other problem was that I I really liked all these people that were showing up. Right. And I felt like, oh, I would probably appreciate this a whole lot more if I knew who the heck they were kind of thing. Right. Um, so that's, yeah. I mean, even Darius and Nick, I can't remember his name. Yeah. They talk about, when they show up, they talk about them like we should know who they are. And I was like, I don't know who these people are. I know. For only being the third book, there was a lot of people that we were supposed to Welcome to the party. (laughs) (laughs) I did like, uh, I don't think they were as pertinent in the other two books, but I did like the Day and Phil, the two boys. They were were funny. (laughs) Always underfoot and eating food and being called like heathen and yeah. Visigoths and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the heathen. They, they refer to them like a, in an entity of one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, wish I could have read the first two books. No way in heck was that going to happen uh, for me. Mom could have. I could have, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. What I'm ignorance. Know. I didn't know. Okay, so they both keep secrets from each other. What did you think of that element and the way it was resolved? Who do you think had more going on? Well, she obviously had more secrets to keep. And I mean, I could kind of, like in this day and age today, I don't see how that would have been a terrible, horrible secret that she was keeping. I mean, it it was a terrible, horrible thing to have happen. but, um, But I could see back then where she would be felt made to feel like she was responsible and and she should have produced an heir and i mean obviously this freddy guy was killing off the heirs because he wanted to inherit yeah and um and that never even really came up you know that he wanted to inherit everything i guess it does kind of but it's not that's the whole thing (laughs) i know but they never really come right out and say he just wanted to get rid of all the heirs that you were trying to produce but um and the fact that it took them so long to figure out that it was him. But anyway. Yeah, that's... Okay, so that's my problem, is that... Um, first of all, I was mad that she wasn't saying anything because it so obviously pertained to the situation that they had going on right. with all of the near accidents and things like that. So I wanted... I wished... Because I could tell what was going on. So I was like, hun, speak up a little bit. Yeah, and say like, something. So say, they, say they something. can take care of this problem. Yeah. And... But and I I did not know that he was the one that was giving her the penny royal. I thought maybe she thought it was spearmint and she kept accidentally. See, honestly, that would make more sense to me why she feels guilt guilty that right she, that she didn't because the like apothecary at the towards the beginning he tells Val he's like you know oh but be careful because you know too much of that for women can you know, bring on their menses and things like that. Um, and so I thought maybe what it was going to be was that she was she was having, you know, stomach troubles while she was pregnant. She was taking spearmint tea, thinking, you know, that would help, yeah. and then later realized, like, oh, it was this penny royal. So she was even less, like, I could maybe understand her feeling at fault, like, I, I don't think she should, even if that was the case, because it was obviously not intended. But, I mean, it's even less her fault if he was, like, yeah. 
giving it to her on purpose kind of thing. And, um, and, and misleading her into thinking it was just yeah. regular tea. Um, so I could tell that that was going to be the secret, like, way early. Like, as soon as they started talking about the Penny Royal, I was right. like, so obviously this is what was happening. Um, so it was frustrating as a reader to know so early on what was going on and have her keep pushing it and not telling him. Yeah. And and her thinking that he was going to never forgive her and all this stuff. I'm like, obviously he is the doy. Um, so that also was frustrating to me. Um, that whole I would situation. Agree. And... Um, yeah, and then as pertains to what they have going on at the house, it was, I mean, first of all, it was so obviously him. He had the most to gain by trying to, like, mess with them. Even if that's all he was trying to do was just, like, get back at him for taking the house, for winning the house from him. He was the obvious right culprit there. Um, I don't know. And so the whole, like mystery aspect of this book never felt super mysterious. So it didn't like completely work for me. Um, it gave some drama to the book and, you know, mustache twirly villain and villain. Yeah. And, you know, from the get go, I figured it was probably going to be Freddie that messed with her and her pregnancies. And I thought, how on earth could you feel responsible for this? I could never get behind that and that feeling. And, um, yeah, that's why I just, I wanted her to just go do something horrible. Well, first of all, stop giving the money to him. Why would you give him the money? Give it to the, you know, start fixing up the farms and doing things to help the tenants. Just stop supplying him with money. What's he going to do? Go tell everybody that, what? He gave you tea that made you lose your babies. I mean, it just seemed, it it didn't seem logical to me that, that this was keeping her from moving well, forward with her life. And especially when he leaves, you know, his calling card of the Penny Royal on her counter. And also there's a tree through her roof. It's like, Okay, so now he's blackmailing you and trying to kill you or at least, like, mess Destroy with your, your life. Property. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like now you've got many counts <laughs> to get him on. And it was frustrating me that she had to have known that it was him at that point. And she she does Didn't say, say anything to Val. I mean, yeah. she does eventually, but I don't know. Well, and yeah. Val puts it together before she tells him. Right. But... It's still frustrating. Well, and a lot of that is because he did some investigating on his own with the magistrate and stuff. And, and yeah. But yeah, it was frustrating. It's like, girl, just say something to someone. You've got yeah. all these men around you here to protect you. You know, you don't need to be worried about what he's going to do. Yeah. And obviously, like, Val was, like, ready to fall in his sword for her. So it's like, come on, yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um... Okay, let's talk about sex. Wait, me, uh, 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 this got intense. Um, I will say, how can I put this delicately? It's 
strange to read sex scenes with your name in them. Because <laughs> it hits you in a whole different way. It's like, oh, yes. Tell me more. Talk dirty to me some more about, you know, that Try kind this. Of stuff. Try reading a really intricate sex scene with your daughter's name in it. <laughs> <laughs> throwing that out there <laughs> the sweet yeah. baby angel that i held in my arms <laughs> look at what she's doing to val oh my gosh well you know i was reading and i'm like oh okay this is working on a whole other level for me this time um i did appreciate however so we got one very in-depth sex scene and then after that it was very just more fade they, to black. They hit it. They hit it. They hit it. Because. And they did. They did. And because I get bogged down when they just describe every single sex scene. Yeah. Um, another thing I learned from this book, other than sex scenes with your name are nice, is um, I realized that I don't like the word diddle. <laughs> well, the whole thing with... Him coming up with all these different names for the penis. And, you know, that was their... Yeah, that was funny. Their whole joke about laughing about different names for the male member. Um, that was pretty funny. Um, but I, 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 think I've, I think I've decided that I just don't like any onomatopoeia in, um, in sex terms. You know, like, I don't like sound words in in sex terms give us an example ella i could get into it but i really don't want to because they're all words that are like mm, i don't like that like moist um well and like i think like the word i think the word queef is like an onomatopoeia in in sex words and that's one that i don't like and then diddle also has like a and i don't like that at all um i just yeah okay yeah. i can i can support you in that weird <laughs> okay thing. but the sex scenes in this <laughs> the sex scenes in this book um they i thought yeah i thought they were good they were appropriately steamy more steamy honestly than i was expecting from this like kind of sweet little tranquil book um and then they started having sex and i'm like oh my i told you um, I said, once you get to the sex scenes <laughs> yeah um so yeah I, I mean it was a nice uh ramping up so to speak um pace wise i thought for the book um so so that was good yeah um, Mom, what was your swooniest moment in this book? Oh, gosh, I forgot to think about this. My swooniest moment. I have one. I'm sure that you do. I just loved... The thing that made me swoon was how he was always coming and just laying in bed with her and just, like, not even necessarily having sex, but just cuddling with her and keeping her, making her feel safe. And, and that happened multiple times where he's just like, I don't even want to have sex. I just want to lay here, hold you. Well, and making her feel, like, not lonely. Because I liked, I liked that element of their relationship that they both just realized that they were very lonely and they kind of came together and I like, there's a, I don't have it written down, but there's a line in there where he's talking about, like, 
casual sex versus like more in love sex and just like yeah casual sex does not do anything to ease loneliness you know and um and so I thought that whole element of their relationship just kind of coming together and realizing that they both had been so lonely and then you know there's that moment towards the end where they are apart and they just miss each other so much you know and I thought that was sweet um my swooniest moment is when she's riding on his back and she thinks he's not paying attention to like what she's writing oh yeah well she starts like she's writing all the dirty words on his back and I'm like girl how do you got like brain power to be doing that right now um but then like when she's writing like I love Valentine Wyndham and all that stuff and and um she just kind of is doing it unconsciously and he is paying attention to like what she's writing. Well, I was mostly in that scene, I was mostly impressed with him because I don't know if you've ever had anyone write letters on your back. I know. I can't tell, I can't tell what the crap they're writing. <laughs> I, I was thinking that. Well, because uh, my brothers and I would do this thing in church where we would do that. We would try and draw like pictures on each other's backs or like write on each other's backs and try to guess what the other was drawing or writing, and I was horrible. Yeah, I can <laughs> and never I think the boys were also horrible. So, so I was um, like, "Wow, Val, that's um, I'm impressed." Especially since she was probably writing in like, you know, old school cursive. Well, and, and, and like sideways. I mean, I don't. You know, oftentimes I read these books and and they're describing what's going on, and I'm like, "Does this person have four arms or what exactly?" <laughs> So, you know, they were probably laying on their sides and she's probably writing sideways and he was, he was catching it. So there you go. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, let's, let's hear what some of the listeners thought about this one. Um, Natalie said, I got the audiobook from my library and really tried hard to stick with it, but the narrator's voice was a hard pass for me. So I only made it 10% of the way through. Um, guess I'll have to wait until the ebook comes available on overdrive. Um, that really like will make or break. Like sometimes I get audiobooks and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to listen to, especially on historicals. They'll get like these really like flouncy, like tardy sounding, <laughs> like old British women. And you're like, this is not going to work for yeah. me. I don't want Dame Judy Dench reading to me about, yeah. <laughs> well, actually she'd probably read really Reading to me about diddling. <laughs> yeah. Um... Allison said, I really liked the book when I read it a while ago. I love the series and Grace Burroughs, but did feel like this was a series that had to be read in order and in a timely fashion to keep all the characters straight. Yeah. Yes. I can attest that it is, Allison. Um, Jason, singular male listener Jason, said, I have to say this was a love for me. I really liked Val in the two books leading up to this one, and I certainly liked him in this book. I really liked Ellen, and I thought the two of them were good together. Uh, Aaron says, this was an well, okay Well, I, I will point out that Jason obviously read all the three books, so that yeah. probably made the difference. Yeah, it's true. Um, Aaron said, this was an okay read. I was able to get through it without, struggle, without struggling, but I never got especially invested and was not excited to get back to reading it. The dialogue is all historical without even a little contemporary banter. The mystery was easily solvable, but the characters did not put it together until 75% of the way through due to the stubbornness to communicate. Is not always the case, Aaron. And uh, she says, Valentine was a, sweet, uh, was a sweet and dedicated hero whose POV got most of the ink 
Ellen was a pretty bland heroine. I did enjoy the friendships, particularly between Valentine and the men in his life. Agreed. The creative but affectionate names they came up with uh, the young men helping with fixing up the property <laughs> added some levity that I found amusing. Uh, the romance had a sweet ending, though it took so long to get there that it was more a relief than something to relish. I can see all of that. I, I did say. really like the part where after... Um, after his concert and she's walking and she's in the room and she says, and it parts and she can see him across the room. And she says, I tried to be very dignified when I first started walking and then I had to hurry. And then she just ran and jumped in his arms. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Um, Cassie said, this one was just like for me. I really liked Val. I thought there were some funny moments and it was a steamy read, but it still felt like I had to slog through it at times. I can't put my finger on what was missing for me. I just didn't really fully connect with it. Um, I'm uh, because I thought a lot of my mm, inability to power through this one was just my state of mind. But it is interesting to hear that you're not the only one. Others were having the same problem. Maybe it was just an off week for everybody, but it <laughs> does not seem as much the case. Worldwide, um, this was an off week for everybody. <laughs> That does seem to happen sometimes. Like everyone in, like around me seems to have like a bad week at the same time. Um, okay, Lori said, I really liked this book. It definitely moves at a slower pace, but I think it was a matter of being the right book at the right time. I have read other Wyndham family books and enjoyed them as well. I love a big family series with loads of complicated characters and colorful family dynamics. I really liked Val and Ellen and appreciated the quiet way they fell in love despite the secrets and not so mysterious drama happening around them. It is interesting that everybody who seems to have enjoyed the book more read seems to have others. read the other two. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jessica, who was, who recommended the book, um, she said, I really enjoy this series and I think Val is my favorite of the brothers. He is so supportive. I love the male relationships in this book. Um, I do think that that was done very well. Uh, she continues, secret keeping is always annoying, but I get she wanted some internal conflict. I love the way Ellen would spell world words on his skin with her finger and he didn't let on he knew. So cute. Her characters can be hard to keep straight, but her books are almost always four stars for me. And then uh, finally, Megan says, this was just a like for me. I read the first two books in the series prior to this, and I think that I ended up liking them a bit more. Overall, I found the male characters compelling, but the females lacking. In this book specifically, Ellen is such a martyr, which was highly irritating. For example, would have been one thing if she insisted on sending Val away because she wanted to deal with things on her own, but she wasn't doing anything about her situation. She says, sorry, Jessica, I really tried, but it was only three stars for me. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, that she doesn't do anything about her situation. Well, that's what I was that's... like. She's just too damsel and distressy for me. She just waits for <laughs> him to come and fix everything. And I really wanted to see her kind of take charge and fix some things on her own rather than just sit back and let him do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I think we, I mean, I like I said, it's, it's a like for me. And I do always enjoy reading new to me historical authors. Um, so, and I do, I do think her writing is lovely. Um, I think that I just need to start at the beginning of one of her series and, <laughs> and go um, that route. I, I also always just, like, if I've read several contemporaries in a, in a row, I kind of like reading a historical and just going, oh. A historical. Because I do like a good historical. Yeah. 
So those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on The Virtuoso by Grace Burroughs. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On February 10th, we'll be discussing The Chocolate Thief by Laura Florent. Uh, remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorites podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show, and we just love to read them. Okay. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. Anytime. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.